Hey guys, this is Carter and Mo. This is episode number 178 on the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. In this episode, we interview our boy, Kalem Callista. We talk all things competing. We talk his new Sneaky Submissions No Gi DVD, and we get into an in-depth conversation about the reverse triangle with some cool trivia from Carter's Jiu-Jitsu past. Check it out. Welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, a weekly podcast for BJJ enthusiasts who are striving to succeed both on and off the mats. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. And here are your hosts on the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. We going? I think we're recording now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going on, Calum? It's good to have you back on the show, my brother. Yes. And how are you feeling? Are you well rested? Because we know that you uh, you competed last. Is it last night? Yeah, it was last night. Yeah, me and my son both competed on the same card. What a pleasure that is to was, get to compete the, with your son. You know. Yeah. Was that the I, first time you've ever competed on the same card with your son? We competed in Atlanta in on NFC together, but we both lost. So it wasn't. <laughs> Wasn't the, the, the hey, completely completely turn the tables on this one because you come out there both quick wins too, quick submissions. Nice. Yeah, we we kind of set the bar. I'm really really happy with both of our performances. You know, he I think his submission was around a minute or something. Mine was I think around two minute mark. So yeah, we're stoked and we put in a lot of work for this. You know, so it's nice. I'm looking for. I'm hoping kind of that we get to compete a lot more you know, and on the same cards and stuff. I love what jiu-jitsu, how, how jiu-jitsu has grown in that sense, you know? You think, like us guys coming up, you know, if it, uh, for a super fight, you had to be a black belt. I mean, there was no such thing as blue belts and purple belts, brown belts, getting super fights. So flow grappling, uh, not flow grappling, uh, fight to win kind of came along and really started that, you know, with giving that opportunity for a lot of people. And like we were talking a little bit earlier right there, it's kind of made a good platform, you know, for uh, people to actually make money in jiu-jitsu that normally wouldn't be able to, you know? Yeah. These submission-only tournaments, like around Georgia and stuff here, Georgia, Alabama, um, Florida, they're doing these things pretty much every weekend. And, you know, these $1,000 cash prizes, I've seen up to like 5000 you know? And these guys can go out and compete and, I mean, do pretty good, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. nice. It's nice to see what jiu-jitsu is, you know, how it's growing like that. Yeah, I know. We were saying before. Well, first, let me ask you. I'm interested to know, who loves jiu-jitsu more, you or Vance? Man, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I think if you asked him, he'd probably say him. And if you asked me, me. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to say right now, probably him, because he is 100% jiu-jitsu. When I say, like, he doesn't have a girlfriend. He doesn't do nothing else but jujitsu. Wow. I mean, this kid eats, sleeps, breathes jujitsu. You know, I've got. I love a, it. I've got a wife. I've got uh, a, a job, other things. You know what I mean? So, I guess I can't say I'm as committed as him. You know. <laughs> yeah, and you know, Vance, he takes on all comers, all sizes, sure anyone and everyone, and that's why I love seeing him compete because he's not the biggest guy out there, much like myself. But that's always the story that I like. You know, you always want to see the David versus Goliath. Oh, people are always interested in that. And it's such a good testament to jiu-jitsu when the more skilled but smaller guy can defeat the larger op- opponent. So I, I love seeing that. And 
what's really good about that, in my opinion, is that it's never really a loss, right? Like if, if you're competing against someone that outweighs you by a, a hundred pounds or even 50 pounds and you lose, right? Like you were supposed to lose, I guess, to a lot of yeah. people. So I think it takes a lot of the edge off. Sure. That's kind of his, his, his advantage right there. And it is like, I t- you know, he, he doesn't fight these big guys by choice. It's not like, you know, so don't think he like wants to fight always heavier people, but he walks around now <laughs> going at 123 pounds. Oh, wow. Okay. So he is small. So, yeah. The only way that he ever gets somebody his own size is when we go like to IBJJF stuff, pans, worlds, and it's his own bracket. And those guys still cut, you know, 10, 15 pounds to make that division. He's, yeah. you know, he can eat a whole day and, and still make one, be 123, you know? Wow. But uh, when we're doing, like I say, these super fights and stuff, it's always like that. It's like, hey, uh, we've got a guy 160 pounds that doesn't have an op- opponent, you know, will your son face him? Well, we, you know, he'd really like someone his own size, but it just doesn't exist, you know? So <laughs> he just takes, you know, takes what he can get. But, you know, like you said right there about the David and Goliath thing, that right there, so... To me, like I tell, I tell people a lot of times, if you watch Vance and you don't fall in love with jiu-jitsu watching Vance, then I don't know what to tell you because jiu-jitsu is the last martial art that's a David and Goliath martial art. There's nothing else. You cannot take and put a 125-pound guy in a boxing match against a 200-pound guy and him come out ahead. It's not going to happen. Karate, wrestling, all of those things, weight divisions make a huge, giant difference. But jiu-jitsu, when you're really skilled technique-wise, I mean, like I say, I mean, it's beautiful. It's, it's the art of it to be able to see a 125-pound um, man, I want to say kid, he's a man now, um, beat a 220-plus-pound guy. I mean, it's beautiful, you know? I love it. I love it. Um, we were talking a little bit about pre-show, about, you know, what it was like, five years ago, 10 years ago, the way jujitsu was, right? And there was a lot of people, Carter and I talk about this all the time because Carter and I, we have a love for jujitsu, but we have a love for also making money. And so we talk a lot about business. And one of the jokes that we have is like, man, what does it mean to be, you know, five years ago, what did it mean to be like a professional jujitsu guy? You know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of those guys were probably still like living in mom's basement and, you know, you're a professional jujitsu guy, but man, it was not paying the bills. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, about how things have changed and what are some of the, what are some of the opportunities that are out there now for people that really love jujitsu? They want to do this on a professional level to still be able to live in the real world and pay bills and do all that type of thing. Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I don't really like, I'm kind of torn on that answer because like I was saying, it's great what jujitsu, how it's gotten that people can make money at all belts and stuff now, but man, I really don't know, you know, like, uh, it's crazy, you know, like, like we were talking about, like I was saying, fight to win, you go and you watch a fight to win, and there's like 30 matches of yellow belts, and, you know, green belts, and orange belts that are getting super fights, you know, and and it's like, I mean, hey, uh, fight to win, they're, they're genius, and what they do, you know, like first time I fought for them and, and I started seeing like their platform, like, wow, what a great money thing, you know, because let's say little Billy's an orange belt, you know, and uh, they, um, he gets a super fight against little Joey 
you know, uh, from the across town school. Well, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, brother, everybody's going to come and they're going to buy tickets, you know, and then, then the grandparents out in Missouri, the cousins out in Illinois, they're going to turn in, tune into the pay-per-view, you know, so they, they pay you a percentage of the ticket sales that you get. So, you know, you got the, the, these kids are hustling the tickets, you know what I mean? To make money and stuff off of it. And they give you, I think, I want to say it's like $200 or something like that, or $100, I think, if you win, and then another $100 if you submit or something. So basically, they just put the How much do you think? I mean, I, I think it would depend on, on the athlete, right? On, on how many, yeah. how, how many people they can like, attract. Like the kids. I'm talking about like the kids and stuff okay. like that. But like I say, they, uh, so it's like, you know, you, you put up the platform, you put everything there, and then the, the, the competitors do the work beautiful and genius you know what i'm saying because if you look at it like like i think how i was coming up when i was a blue belt if somebody would have offered me a super fight you know what i mean like oh my god i think that's the greatest thing in the world i'd go out there and i'd hustle the heck out of it to try to promote myself and i'd sell a gazillion tickets and they're keeping 80 percent of the money i mean it's good you know on their end but then like you say like we were talking about there wasn't that 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 platform for, for people, you know, so if you're a blue belt and you want to make a living out of jujitsu, it's impossible. Can't do it. You know what I mean? Purple belt, so on and so on. But now I'm seeing blue belts that are making more money than black belts yeah. that own their own academies. You know what I mean? So that's great. Uh, another one, man, uh, BJJ fanatics, you know, those guys, I mean, big shout out to what Bernardo, Bernardo and them uh, are doing over there. They've created a platform where if you have good good content, and let me tell you something, man. You know, jujitsu has evolved so much. These blue belts, these purple belts now are killers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you'd be, I mean, it's some of the content that these people are out, I mean, they give you a platform that you can put content out. You can sell this, you know, and they've got, I mean, their social media is gigantic. They promote great to everybody. If you, I mean, if you're if you like jujitsu, you know what BJJ Fanatics is, you know. So if you've got a DVD or something on there, you're going to reach hundreds of thousands of people that you normally wouldn't be able to reach doing it yourself. So well, Caleb, let, let me ask you this: Can you can you? So I want to, as someone who's dropped uh, content on BJJ Fanatics, and, and you actually have a new DVD or some new content that's coming out, uh, sneaky submissions and the nogi, um, and I want to talk all about that. But right now, for someone that's never done anything on BJJ Fanatics, and maybe they were interested, maybe they did have some really great content, can you walk them through what are the steps? What do they have to do, and what's the process of, of uh, finally getting their content out onto BJJ Fanatics? It was a little different when I put mine out. It's a little bit more available now. I think right on their website, they have a link that you can, you can uh, put on about becoming an instructor, and you can submit you know, what, it, what you have or or who you are, and if they think you're somebody interesting or you've got some interesting content, you, content you can come up there and film. Um, I happened to do my own production um, when I was in the Dominican and um, sent them the videos, and then they did the editing and everything for me and the promoting, and then you know we worked out our our uh, our business deal after that. I don't really want to disclose what our deal is. You know, I don't want. Uh, okay, so but that is an interesting thing though. So it's not the set thing between B 
BJJ fanatics. I mean, it's it's a probably a different deal depending on the athlete. I don't know and, that. It, uh, I don't know if it is or if it isn't, but I I don't want to get myself into something, you know, by disclosing something if I wasn't supposed to. You know what I mean? So yeah, I got you. I didn't, got you. Gordon Ryan's got the best deal there is, but uh, <laughs> Austin. So you're, so, so, but you can't say that you don't have the you don't have the Gordon Ryan deal. That's what you're saying. Uh, I, I I think Gordon Ryan's a piece of AJ fanatics. I mean, he's got to. You know, his content is just uh, all over the place. You know, every day he's doing something different. Yeah. yeah. Speaking yeah. of which, man, have you guys got the pleasure of training with with Mr. Gordon Ryan yet? Uh, we, uh, we no, not. we have. I have not. I'm I'm afraid he's listening to uh, our other Kalem interviews, and he's he's waiting for one of us to walk through the door. And I'm going to make sure that that person is Mo and not me. You got to stay pretty neutral, though. Be <laughs> like, hey, bro, you didn't stop the interview right there. You're on my list. <laughs> what do you guys think about that uh, whole um, A team B team thing? Like all the controversy behind that. Man, I don't know if anybody really knows. You know, I I don't know. I'm always thinking about things from a business perspective. Me too. And I'm so yeah. from a business perspective, the people that are greatest at business. I mean, you look at it in business. Uh, Steve Jobs, um, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos. They're really good at promoting and marketing, right? They promote themselves. They um, what, what's his face? Elon Musk, right? Like. He's sort of faking it till he's making it, but man, he has more money than uh, I think uh, Exxon anyway. at this point is what they said. Yeah. yeah. Right? Isn't he one yeah. of the And what has he really world, what that? has he really done yet, right? And so what, what I'm saying is is, that, is I think that they're very good at like being the Don King of their industry. And so I never I always take everything that I see in jujitsu uh, as like with a grain of salt, right? Like how much of is it is it just are they creating this drama that doesn't really exist? Because at the end of the day, like you didn't both have to come to Austin, Texas, right? Like if there's really this drama, I can go my way, you go your way. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's an angle here for business. I think it's smart. And either way, it's good for jiu-jitsu. It's definitely good for Austin, Texas um, and, and the jiu-jitsu community we have, we have here. But I mean, come on. I mean, you got Flow Grappling out here. You got Joe Rogan out here. You got the B team out here. Um, and then you have, I guess it's new wave jujitsu with Gordon Ryan and, uh, and, and his team. So, um, and it's, about, and I, and, and, you know, they're, they're not shy about it, right? Like Gordon has come out on video and, and he's like, look, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to grow my business. I'm trying to grow my money. So I would, I would guess, I don't know that decisions that he makes, they're driven, they're, they're business driven, right? Like what's going to be best for the brand? What's going to be, what's, what's, what's best for money? At the end of the day, maybe there is some real sort of drama, and that's why they split up. I, I don't know. I've asked people. I'm like, why why did they split up? And I've heard different things depending on who you who you ask about. You know, I, I, Carter was telling me that. Uh, well, what were you saying, Carter? What was your theory on why they split up? Uh, uh, nice try, Mo. Uh, I stayed totally neutral, and I said, uh, Mr. Ryan's business is his business, Mr. Siddiqui. <laughs> you know, I'm you see what I. Get there. That's what I did. I created the yeah. drama that's yeah, not yeah, real. Nice try, yeah. buddy. I thought something <laughs> a little fishy though with the whole, um, you know, Gaval and uh, and um, Gordon matchup at ADCC. I kind of thought the stomach issues might have just been, you know, like a thing to make uh, Gaval sign that line, saying for sure he's gonna take that fight. Yeah. You know, because 
really on a business aspect, Gaval has everything to lose there. You yes. know, what I mean? a no-win situation for Gaval. Yeah. You know, so I mean, smarter business-wise, he would retire. Retire as, and you could you could say arguably he's the best. He will he was the best no gi guy to ever compete. You yeah. know, if he loses against Gordon Ryan, Gordon by far takes that 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 title. You know, so yeah. I, I thought a lot of it had to do with some of that. You know, aspect we'll never know probably the the real hidden stories and stuff. And I'm still not surprised if that ha- that match doesn't happen in ADCC if some. I know. You're exactly right. I don't see what he what he has to gain, right? He, yeah. I mean, if he loses, he has exactly. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Now, the only advantage, there's no advantage, but the only thing that could come out of it where you could spin it is if it was a very like if he gave Gordon Ryan the the most competitive match of his career, and it was a back and forth where. Gordon almost gets submitted and he, you know, Gaval barely loses, even if it was by submission, but it was coming down, you know, coming down to the wire. Cause then now you can make the argument like, Hmm, on any given night, one of these guys can win, but it would be, I mean, it would just completely, in my opinion, crush, uh, the reputation, of of uh, Gaval if yeah. Gordon not only beats him, but beats him like quickly and easily, you know, like yeah. just on this whole yeah. nother level. And that's gonna that's that's no good for yeah that can't be good for your brand and that's the thing like you know like I'm not it's a known thing I'm really not a Gordon Ryan super fan you know but I will undoubtedly say he is the best no gi grappler in the world and I really you know I mean I would love for Gaval to win but then I just don't see a chance I mean the stuff that this guy does to people who are just like I mean he just makes the the best jiu-jitsu guys look like they're they're it's their first jiu-jitsu class. So I don't see it happening. The age difference, the size difference. I mean, he's just levels above Gaval. So I don't, it's just such a bad business move. You know, Gaval makes big money, you know, and it really did, hurt, would hurt his brand. I mean, especially after the guy slapping you too. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, I might, I might think I might, you know, uh, take a un, unexpected fall off of my scooter and hurt my collarbone and not be able to. <laughs> oh man so tell me about um we were talking a little bit about bjj fanatics um you know we know that you've dropped uh and you know we we've been talking about it here on the podcast sneaky submissions and you've done that in the gi but now you've recently come out sneaky submissions no gi version talk a little bit about that like um how's that been going and 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 uh what can what can people expect in that content that they wouldn't, aside from it being no gi as opposed to gi, what can they expect from that content that would be different? Well, this TV, we kind of uh, dive into a little bit of uh, MMA as well. You mm. know, sneaky submissions that can work for both no gi, jiu-jitsu, grappling, and uh, MMA as well. Um, I think we really hit on on something really good with the name, sneaky submissions, you know, because I don't care who you are. You want to know those sneaky submissions. I mean, that's the way I was, you know, I was, instead of me looking at fundamentals of how to open guard, I was looking how to do a, do a a baseball bat choke from closed guard and submit the guy instead of that. (laughs) It don't matter. You're down 30 points or whatever, you know, that submission still gets it, you know? So this, it's just, uh, I want to say it's a, it's a more in, in depth, thing because when you take the gi off there's a lot of really tricky things that you can do you know and 
boy, there's just there's some really good ones on there for it. So if you haven't checked that out, I really advise checking it out. Not just because it's my DVD, even if it wasn't mine, I would check it out. What's your preference? Do you like to? Do you prefer gi or no gi? I prefer gi, 110 percent. I feel so, like the the argument there's you could arguably say there's a thousand more um, chokes in a gi. You know, so why limit yourself to a thousand, uh, you know, a thousand more techniques that you could get training gi, you know, and there's, there's chokes that I do that you can only do with the gi, but I still find a way to hit them without a gi. And it's just the technical format of the gi. I think that's so good. Um, on the, uh, on the no gi, um, I saw that you had a instructional on the reverse triangle. Yes, sir. That's so one of my good it's funny. We, we can talk a little history here. Speaking of Andre Galvao, mm-hmm. Mo, did you know that Andre Galvao lost Abu Dhabi finals 2009 to Braulio Estima with yeah. a reverse triangle, Probably just like good. shown in the Sneaky Submissions DVD? I did not know that. So basically, you're asking yourself, how do you win ADCC? How do you do it? Caleb's got the answer for you on his DVD. It's right there. And uh, I have a, a personal experience with that particular dastardly choke. Um, have you heard of uh, On the Mat, like Scotty from On the Mat, the website? Oh, God. Yeah. About, like some way back in the day, days. Way back in the day. So I used to train with Scott's brother, Cade, Cade Nelson, over at uh, the first 10th Planet School. And Cade, I think still, I don't know if, the, I don't know if he does anymore, but for a while he used to come to Austin fairly regularly. And I had already moved to Austin. And he came by and we trained and he kind of put me in the situation where he's on the bottom because Kay's a very small guy. So he needs sneaky submissions and he puts his leg like kind of over my shoulder. And it's like this weird sort of half guard thing with a leg over the shoulder. I'm like, well, I'll just pass his other leg and get to side and smash this dude. And I do that and boom. He's got me in that reverse triangle because you can set it up all sorts of ways. But one way is you kind of bait a half guard and kind of have him step over the leg. And man, I'm not proud, but I picked him up and I started walking with him and he he ended up letting go. I he-manned it. I muscled through. And then he told me all the people that he had caught with that submission. And it was a it was a very impressive list of people. I will not name these people, but it was like, man. They should have picked you up, <laughs> but um, but that was my first experience with that thing, and I used to catch people in that a lot. Uh, my buddy Troy used to get that. He's a big, tall fireman guy, and he used to get that all the time. And man, that is a that is a brutal submission when you get it. So I'm excited to see you throwing it out there because um, that's good stuff, and it's one Abu Dhabi before. So it's one of those things. Like uh, I think we we're talking about it before. Um, so I got my blue belt really fast. Biggest mistake in jiu-jitsu for me, getting it so fast, you know. And around Georgia, I was kind of crushing all the other blue belts. And then I moved up to Chicago. I was telling you about this before, and I just got murdered, you know, by everybody up there. Every, every white belt wanted to roll with me because that was an easy smash, you know. So yeah. it was like, you know, all these these brown belts, black belts and stuff up there would say, hey, Kalen, let's roll. I, I need a good warm-up roll, you know. <laughs> They would say this to me, and deep down, I'm thinking to myself, you mother, I'm going, you know what I mean? Like, a warm-up <laughs> roll? Okay, I'm going to give you a warm-up roll, you know? So I would try <laughs> to find these sneaky to catch these guys with all the time, you know what I mean? 
and then, you know, and eventually it got to the point where I wasn't that warm up role no more, you know, cause here, you know, you know, like I, I'm tapping these guys and stuff with this, with these things. And it, you know, it, it just kind of developed a, uh, how do you say, like, uh, a hunger, I guess, in me to just get the submission, you know, yeah. we, we train that way in, in the Dominic with my, with my professor. It's always, you know, hunt for the submission, 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 submission. We'll put the clock on sometimes here at my academy and I'll tell the guys, roll till you submit. I don't yeah. give, I don't care. You know, the class is two hours. I don't care if you roll two hours. You're not stopping until you submit. Yeah. You know, that's where all everything's going. Submission only and all this stuff. So if you stay submission orientated, you know, you're going to stay on top of the game. Yeah. 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 I feel like you were trying it. I watched one of your Pan Am matches from this year. So this is probably back in March. I feel like the guy's last name was Morgan or something like that. And I feel like you were trying. And I feel like you almost got it, too, because he almost went for it and then he didn't. But I was like, man, he's setting up that reverse triangle. You were, weren't you? I yeah. was. Yeah. Man, I'll tell you what, that was a tough, a tough thing. So I went down to middle to middleweight. And you know, I'm naturally medium heavy. But I... Uh, I figured, heck, man, I, I'm tired of facing these 200 plus or 195, you know, 200 plus pound guys that are cutting down to medium heavy. So I'm going to cut down to middle. Yeah. And, uh, I I cut 10 pounds the night before. And I'm feeling like crap, you know. But I'm think I get to the to the venue. I'm thinking that I'm going to be there about a half hour earlier so I can, you know, rehydrate a little bit. When I got to the venue, uh, my son comes up and he tells me he's like, Kayla, he's like, Dad, your uh, name's on the board. I'm like, what do you mean my name's on the board? You know, I got to go check in. So, oh, man, I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to go weigh in real quick. I can hydrate. I go to weigh in. I miss weight. I'm like missing it by like three pounds. I'm like, oh, oh God. Mm. I take on a suit on there in Orlando, and I'm running around, you know, trying to just cut that last bit of weight. I get back on the scale, and he's he looks over at me, and he's like, take your socks off. And I'm like, okay, I, I take my socks off. That's not going to make it a difference, you know. But anyway, somehow with my socks off, I just managed to, to make it just enough. So anyway, literally, they lead me from the way in right to my match. Oh, and wow. I hydrated. I'm dead. So no more middleweight for, for me. Yeah. I'm going to bulk up and stay in, uh, in medium heavy. Nice. Nice. <laughs> but you, yeah, you are right. I was. He just wouldn't take the bait. He was smart and crafty. Yeah. You know, so he knew he wasn't going to. Maybe he watched my DVD. I was going to say, you have it on DVD. He watched it. <laughs> I start putting things of my game, you know, so people yeah. watch that. And think, hey, well, speaking of that, are, are there certain moves that you keep in the hidden vault where you're like, man, nah, these aren't going in the DVD because I, I need these sneaky submissions until I'm like retired from competition. Yes, there was, <laughs> we did a lot of editing on that because I had to take a few of them out. Like I've got some go-to ones that I'll hit guys, you know, all the time with here in class and stuff like that, or in, in competition, I thought to myself, I really don't know if I want that being out, you know, that yeah. was my private thing. Like, I'd love to say I invented the reverse triangle, but you know, didn't, you know, I just put different spins on it. So I've got some that, that are ones that I've kind of invented myself that I've really wanted to kind of keep out of there just for, like I say, my own sneaky reasons. <laughs> oh, you bring up a good kind of topic right now. Cause I was, you know, um, trolling on social media and a lot of people were on that uh, the mikey lock yeah they were talking about that people were hating on that they were like man that youngster didn't invent the you know he didn't invent that that's that's been around forever he just kind of put his whole whole spin on it and then you had some people on the other side they were like no that's he put his own spin on it and, and it is what it is now what, what's your take on stuff like that i mean is there anything new in jujitsu or is it just kind of like that it's 
It's stuff that's kind of been repackaged, put out there, and it, and, and people, you know, you can put your own spin on it, your own flavor. I think that, that that's a good question you're asking there. Cause like I, I say to my students a lot, you know, it's body types and, you know, like everybody's style is different. You know, you have to take a technique and create it into your, put it into your own body form, your own style, you know? So, um, I mean, if, if that was the case that every technique was the same, you know, I could just hand you Marcelo Garcia's book, you read it and you'll be exactly as good as him. You know what I mean? It doesn't work that way. So like, People are weird, you know, like black belts and stuff. I, I'm very open on people can film when I when I teach and stuff like that. Because I believe once I teach you a technique, it becomes yours. Do with it what you want. You know what I mean? Now, my professor is completely opposite. You know what I mean? Like, he believes that his stuff is his stuff. It's supposed to be kept in-house. We can't share it nowhere, you know? But, uh, like I say, it's jujitsu. Like, like I say, there's a... Look at the Brimball. It was the same thing with Brimball. When the uh, Meow brothers were, were hitting Brimball a lot, everybody's like, oh, that stuff's been around forever. They didn't come up with nothing. You know what I mean? But the way they were doing it, you know what I mean, was a very unique way. The way Mikey does does that Mikey lock, like, man, Mikey's just, he's he's an innovator, man. I mean, dude, that, that kid is, he's arguably the best American grappler ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, he's... IBJJF wise, you know what I mean? So he's, uh, yeah, I believe that his style, that, that he did it, is unique. You yeah. know what I mean? Has that lock been around before? Yes. You know what I mean? But same thing too, like I say, the reverse triangle. I didn't invent the reverse triangle. I've got a way that I set it up that not too many people do. You know what I mean? And it works for my height. It works for my my weight, my age. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, there's the, the side, the one that you're talking about that Braulio uh, hits, there's one he does in, in the gi. I can't do that for nothing. You yeah. know, it's a really weird setup, but it just doesn't work for my body type. Yeah. So, like I say, I could take that technique, change it a little bit for my body type, and then could I say, I guess, that I made that technique? I mean, I don't know. It's arguably on both sides. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I think with the Mikey lock, what's what's interesting is that people have probably done that almost like a bad knee bar that you're knee barring on the side of the knee. But I think what's unique about what he's doing is by controlling the foot, he's preventing most of the main heel hook escapes that people are doing because it's like you're controlling the foot, therefore you could get heel exposure without them being able to spin out the way people normally do. And instead of doing that, he's turning it into sort of a knee bar heel hook type of pressure. So it's, it may be something that people did before, but the reason he's doing it is a counter to what people are doing to defend leg locks in a way that they didn't defend them four or five years ago. People weren't hiding heels four or five years ago. Very few people were. That that nomenclature and that that style of defense just didn't happen back then. So controlling the foot on either side or doing this kind of thing to prevent the rotation is something relatively new given the modern defense. So I think that he can be credited for that. Um, you know, even if it's something where the actual lock itself has been done before. So it's, uh, but yeah, people get real weird about that kind of stuff. And there's, there's been stuff where I'm like, I've done stuff that no one showed me. So it's like, well, I sort of figured it out for me, but I know that people have done it before. So it's like, it's kind of like, well, did you invent it if you'd figured it out for yourself? 
I don't know. It's a, it's a weird thing that people want credit for that. Um, I guess I understand why, but it's still just, you know, I think that people are going to figure out similar solutions to things sure. given the same problems. I'll give you a good example. My, uh, my instructor, he's got a whole DVD on close guard concept, mm -hmm. right? So he does this thing that he calls, it, it's a slip from close guard, which is kind of the technique that I did last night where I won, where I won my match. He, he considers it the same thing as a slip of a punch. You know, we slip the arm past the body. Instead of moving the opponent, we move our body and the arm comes across and it gives back exposure and so on. Well, I used to always have a problem with the guy being bigger and stronger and yanking his arm back, you know? So, um, like one thing that I picked up from my son, my, uh, he, he will always, when he slips the arm, he'll grab at the armpit, you know, the sleeve. And I thought to myself watching him do that, like, man, how do these guys like, you know, how's he able to keep that arm? You know, he's so much smaller than me and I'm having trouble not, you know? So I started picking up on something that he was doing right there. I can say a blue belt, you know what I mean? But having a white belt mentality, that's yeah. how you grow, you know? So it's one thing that I started doing now, you know, so I took my instructor's move, which again, he's a giant, you know, so he can probably just grab the sleeve and pull it across. And there's not many men that can get that back, yeah. you know? but reaching there to that armpit and grabbing that little bunch of material, the guy can't get his arm back. So you yeah. stay with that back exposure. The more he struggles, he opens up bump over sweeps. He opens up an arm bar like that Ronda Rousey style on the opposite mm -hmm. side, you know? So speaking of which, that's going to be the next DVD. I think we're going to go, from that that uh, that that arm slip to all the multiple attack sweeps and everything from there. Nice. Well, you nice. mean you just you just read my mind, Caleb. I was gonna ask you kind of my last question. Um, I, I know Carter's gonna gonna throw a left hook from your blind side with something, maybe. But <laughs> I, I, this is the episode where I, I like to put Carter on on the spot. That's true. No, I, got, I got an idea. Don't worry. Um, my last question was gonna be. Um, from a fan perspective, what's a DVD that you would like to see? Like, uh, like I, I think of things that I would like, I, I'm like, man, I hope somebody puts out some content on this because I really want to learn about that. And I think that that's really interesting given where we are at in jujitsu. What, what would you say to that? Because, you know, you're a high level competitor. You're, you're, you've been a black belt for a long time. You've dropped your own content, but for, take yourself outside of that. What's some content that you would like to see? Uh, be put out there that you were interested in at this time in learning? Man, I'm really uh, interested in this uh, Mika Gabal kid. Mm. You know, like, uh, I like his style a lot. I know he's put, he's got a little bit of content and stuff out there, but there's a lot that kid holds back. You know, like, uh, I just, I, I like how he handles larger competitors. I like his, you know, I would like, I think, I, I'm right now reading a book, um, if I didn't mention the, the, I say reading it, it's an audible. I'm listening to it. But anyway, you know, um, you, you remember that uh, that movie, uh, Chasing Bobby Fisher? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, about that kid that the movie was made about. Are you talking about The Art of Learning? Is that what you read? Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I you know read this book. Yeah. Dude. We've talked about this book on the podcast. Yeah. Josh so, uh, Waitzkin. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like right in the middle of this. Yeah. And it's so like opening my mind. You know what I mean? Yes. Because yeah. That's what I think should be put out because there's yeah. so many people who just don't know how to learn. Yes. You know, you have to, you have to learn to learn. I tell my students this all the time. Like you think you're learning the technique, you think you're receiving it, 
in your mind, but you're not. And the way that this this guy like talks about his problem of learning chess, Tai Chi, um, uh, that you know, just jujitsu, everything. It really is a perspective to me that I understand. Like I was saying to myself, like, wow, I'm just a fraction of what this guy's doing to really truly learn this stuff. You know what I mean? So I would like to have someone, you know, do, you know, uh, someone like him. Yeah. I think it would be a very good Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu instructional. Yeah. Showing, you know, listen, this is what you need to do to really learn this technique. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. How, how, many, how many things do you take... Um, Let's say, for example, a bump over sleep. You know, do you like really embody yourself in a bump over sleep? He was describing a Tai Chi throw in the book where he says the movements leading up to the sweep, you know, to the throw, he practiced. Maybe just the step forward. He said, I must have practiced that 2,000 times, just the step. Not even initiating throw, but just the first step. Where he, he got to a point that his body just did it naturally. He gives a good analogy also about throwing a uh, a right a straight right. Like he says, you know, it comes from it, it, you put so much that it almost comes from the floor. Like the floor is throwing the straight right. You're just making a complete attachment to the floor. So drilling that and doing that, that that's what I'd like to see because I just I feel like so many people don't know really how to how to get these techniques inside. You know. What I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a that's a great book, and he, uh, Josh Waitzkin's a black belt under Marcelo Garcia, too. Which Can I don't think he instructional by him though. Yeah, I, I really would, because he's an interesting guy, and and he had actually, I don't think he had really even started jujitsu when he wrote that book. Because I mean, I know they, he might talk about it a little bit at the end, but he wasn't like a real jujitsu guy at that point. I'm about um, percent through it i guess and he's he's not talking about much it's mostly a lot of push hands yeah it's tai, tai chi and it's it's chess and how he's when he's playing chess he's thinking in terms of tai chi and when he's doing tai chi he's thinking about it in terms of chess and how you know those two things just sort of morph together yeah mo and i've actually talked about that book on this podcast before because it's that's a i think a really influential book for both of us in terms of how we think about that's really the reason why we started the podcast in a way. We think about business and different things in life in terms of jujitsu and back and forth. Um, and that's what I, one thing I, big thing I got from that book was that the crossover of that. And then, like you said, learning how to learn is such an important skill because it took me until relatively recently to sort of really understand what type of learner I am. And I spent a lot of time trying to be a learner that I'm not. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a feel learner. I just didn't want to admit that I'm so sensitive. Mo doesn't like it when I act all sensitive. He likes it when I act tough. And, uh, but I realized, I'm like, this is a way better way to learn. And we have a friend named Kevin who's super just sort of intuitive. You kind of show him something. And he just kind of plays around with it and does whatever. And then, like, all of a sudden, he just starts hitting it on you over and over again. And you're like, you son of a bitch. I showed this to you. And now you're killing me with me. I hate me. So, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, I do have a final question. Uh, just the continuing bet that Mo and I have that I'm not sure who's taken what. Last we checked, you were in Hinesville, Georgia, had not returned to the Dominican. One of us had bet that you will not be returning to the Dominican. I think it's been like a year. Who's winning that bet? Mo's so, going to win that bet. So far, Mo's winning that bet. I'm yeah. really, <laughs> really, I've got a... I've kind of fell in love with jujitsu again, just with the people that I'm around, you know, people who appreciate 
the knowledge they're getting, you know, and uh, I mean, uh, me being an instructor, like I, I told you guys before, it wasn't really something that I wanted to do. But yeah. when I see people that are really benefiting from it, I mean, we have, uh, I could show you on my wall up here. Now we've been, we've been open a year. We, we just worn uh, best of Liberty County gym here. We've nice. went uh, every competition we went to. I'm looking at banners up here. Now we got third place um, overall, second place overall. We just got first place down in Jacksonville. Nice. I mean, dude, we're a year old. That's we're, incredible. Com we're competing against schools that have been here for decades and have, yeah. 300 plus students you know so i feel like we found something that fits here we found something right and i'm going to continue to to nourish that nice nice that's awesome i'm excited to hear that even though i, I gotta, gotta pay more money to austin with you guys though now man that's the spot <laughs> no, it's well you know it's funny when when i moved out here um a long time before gordon ryan and joe rogan did actually let's be honest they kind of followed me but um there was there was literally two black belts in the entire city, two black belts. And like it's it's at the point now where like every exit, there's a school and you have because not only do you have the B team and all that, you have the Brazilian Fight Factory. That's where the, yeah. the Tackett brothers Tim are Kennedy's down there. What's that? Tim Kennedy's down there, right? Tim Kennedy's down there. You've got uh, all the 10th Planet guys. There's another 10th Planet school that just opened up. Our buddy Robbie Rabati's got an excellent competition school like. There are so many schools now. It's crazy. It's crazy to have been here when there's just like almost nothing. Because I came from Los Angeles, so it was like kind of a weird thing. And now I'm like, people are literally moving to Austin from all over the world for jujitsu now, which is I, just blows heard, my mind. I heard a rumor that a lot of people were coming there due to uh, these roll bliss kimonos and these like fire yeah, designs. That's, that's true. That is true. Again. You know, trying trying to be super humble, but the <laughs> podcast was here first. That's true. Robles is headquartered right out of right out of here, so yep. um, you know, makes sense. Uh, putting out the putting out the vibes and uh, and people are, are I guess catching the vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We figured we'd do nothing yes. for years, and eventually the people would come. So that's 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 the idea. If you if you sort of build it and wait a long time, they will come. Yep, fill the dreams. Yep. They, they, they didn't want to do that in Field of Dreams because like it'd be way too long a movie. So we'll just say you build it, boom, they're there. But reality was you build it, five years later, they started trickling in. So that's what There happened. you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This was such a great show. It's always great when we yeah. have our boy Caleb Callista on the show. Uh, this episode is in the books. To re-listen, to re-watch this episode, go to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Also check us out on Apple iTunes. Like, review, subscribe. Shout out to Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. Nobody can be you better than you. Be authentic. Robles, we make custom geese. Yellow Pine Investments makes custom warehouses. Be sure to check them out. Check out our boy, Caleb Callista. Just dropped a new DVD, Sneaky Submissions, in the gi. You can catch that on BJJ Fanatics. Also check out Jiu-Jitsu on the Go with our boy, Steve Hordensky. It's a, it's a great online training platform for you guys to supplement your training. And if you're in the Austin area, check out Chaparral Moving. They have moving down to a science. I'm Mo, that's Calum, that's my brother Carter Fisk. Thank you guys for watching, and as always, we wish you nothing but the best, both on and off the mat. Thank you. Thank you, guys. That's it for this episode of the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Your hosts are Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. This podcast is brought to you by Rule Bliss, makers of the world's finest custom Jiu-Jitsu apparel. 
You can subscribe to the Robles newsletter to get the exclusive content at robles.com. You can find more episodes of this show on our website at thejujitsuoflife.com. And you can subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we wish you a great week, both on and off the mat.